0: We know that risk management is about controlling hazards, but in reality, there's a lot more to it than that. Hello everyone, and welcome to the Risk Acumen podcast, which offers thoughtful insight around risk management. Now, when we think about managing risks, it tends to conjure up a simple process around identifying hazards and then controlling them. However, risk identification and control is only part of the overall picture. There's also evaluation and prioritisation of risks to consider and understanding the probability and impact of events. Today, I'm joined by Dave Reynolds, Head of Risk Engineering and Surveys at Risk Stop Group, who is going to share with us an interesting example to show how risk management is as much about negotiation as it is about control. Hi Dave, thanks for joining me today.
1: Hi, Johnny. How are you?
0: I'm um, very good. Very good, mate. And you?
1: Yeah, very well. Thank you. Very Brilliant. well.
0: Brilliant. Now, at this point, I usually ask my guests to give me a bit of career background and so on. But Dave's been working in the field of risk management for over 30 years now, and we've only got around 20 minutes for this episode. <laughs> so, so Dave, I'll ask you to be concise here and give me more of a what you do now and, and why you do it rather than everything you've done over there the course of your career in risk management if that's all right
1: okay so my main responsibilities are everything surveys at risk stop yeah i manage our team of consultants mm-hmm. i get involved in training technical referrals whether that be for our our own people or for our external clients um, brokers um insurers etc and um I suppose the the best part of the job. Um, I still go out and do surveys, and that's the the bit that gets me out of bed in the morning and gives me the buzz.
0: That's where you get to meet the people and go to all the interesting places, basically, isn't
1: it? Oh, absolutely. You know, um, and and that's the beauty is being um, able to go out and to you know help people.
0: And and it's quite it's quite varied, isn't it, in terms of the risks that you. Would go out and visit. Give me, give me just a, a taste. You know, one extreme to the other, if you like, of, of some of the, the weird and wonderful places that you've that you've been in your time, Dave.
1: Um, well, um, from a, a security point of view, I visited the largest precious metals um, refinery in the world in, in in Belgium. Yeah. Um, to look at their security. Been out to obviously uh, prior to what's going on um, in Russia now, but I was in Moscow looking at uh, high end jewelers. From a property point of view, anything from uh, abattoirs, um, lovely, <laughs> <sort> of, yeah. <laughs> oh, they're always fun. <laughs> um, you know, iconic buildings, um, such as um, Tower Bridge, right? That th- the whole range of um, industrial risks, airports,
0: yeah. And I can, I mean, I can understand why you enjoy it so much because, I mean, in essence, you're getting access that would be denied to most of us wouldn't it in the in the real world
1: oh absolutely you know the the, the bit that says um you know public keep out yeah um are probably the areas that are more of interest to me because absolutely. uh yeah, absolutely because obviously you know if you take a, a hotel for example um you wouldn't expect front of house to be untidy and uh, unruly yeah um because obviously you're trying to attract people into it but it's what goes on behind the scenes that's probably more of interest yeah
0: Okay Dave so I mentioned at the beginning that risk management is is more than just hazard identification and control in, in reality it's about balancing priorities and also being able to evaluate the bigger picture of course and you've got a you've got a case haven't you, which illustrates this that you you surveyed quite recently I understand
1: Yes I mean uh, it was a um, a food risk uh, sort of food manufacturing risk
0: yeah I appreciate you can't give away. A lot of the information here, because there's confidentiality and so on. Yeah. And so, on. So, so
1: I'll keep yeah. it. I'll keep it quite broad. Yeah. Um, where um, insurers had been uh, trying to get the client to either install sprinklers mm-hmm. or um, to remove expanded polystyrene panels. I, th- I think we're, we're all aware of the um, panel issue. Mm-hmm. It, you know, it's not just um, blocks of flats, but. The food industry had a similar problem, so I was asked by um, insurers to go down to to have a look, to talk to them about the potential to remove uh, the panels or to put in the sprinklers. So I went to site, chatted with the the finance director, and one of the things you know he he pointed out sort of quite quickly it's it wasn't just about the the cost of doing what they were uh, being asked or potentially being asked to do. which sort of ran into millions as opposed to hundreds of thousands of pounds. It was also the potential that they would have to shut down production, which would impact on their ability to service their two main clients. And as he said to me, you know, if we can't service them, potentially we lose the business. And at the end of it, we don't have the business to come back to.
0: Yeah. And I know you can't mention the name of the the two big clients, but we would all recognize them let's put it that way (laughs) absolutely (laughs) yeah yeah
1: absolutely so um what we as i said agreed to do was to sort of have a look around and um come up with some ideas so we we did just that and um, what we looked at was sort of started to work out whether we could actually control fire starting rather than uh, fire having to be put out and you know what whilst there's still a a cost involved in what we were looking at, it it was obviously a far less of a cost than um, having to either install the sprinklers or take out the panels. And, you know, very quickly, the site contact became infused with what what we were talking about, what I was talking about. You know, um, ideally, they would remove the panels and ideally they would put in sprinklers. But just on this occasion, it just wasn't something that was going to happen or something that was easily achieved. And I, I
0: think what I really like about this example, Dave, is it shows that risk management can never be about absolute control necessarily. You know, here it's it's very clear the company f- could have gone to the nth degree to control the hazard, but also it, it probably would have gone out of business, and there's not there's not much point in that.
1: No, absolutely. <laughs> well, you know, um, yeah. don't get me wrong; that there, there, there are rules and guidance documents that we use, we refer to, but. Nothing can be completely black and white. People have to um, appreciate that there is grey involved. And it's taking those rules, those guidance documents, and adapting them to suit circumstances.
0: Yeah, so it's about being pragmatic and being realistic, in essence.
1: Yeah, and, and, and also explaining the reason for doing something. So rather than just going in and saying, you know, you've got to do A, B, and C. Why? Well, because insurers will want that. It's explaining the benefits of what you're trying to achieve. And um, quite often, you can get them uh, more involved in the solution as you discuss the ideas. Yeah. So in actual fact, if you can swing the idea back to the the client, back to the policyholder, whereas they start to almost sort of think it's their idea, then it's so much easier to get a positive outcome.
0: Yeah, it sounds like you almost have to be an expert negotiator at times, especially when you're trying to balance the needs of the insurer, who, of course, is taken on the risk, and then the needs of the business as well, and also the needs of their representative, the insurance broker, all at the same time.
1: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely.
0: You must have some... Difficult conversations. (laughs)
1: Well, there there are some times where it it, it doesn't matter what what you say or or how you broach something. You do get times when people just don't see the benefit or won't do things. And uh, at that point, you've just got to agree to disagree. You know, you you, you can't end up in, uh, you know, argument or conflict. Mm -hmm. Um, You sort of handle the situation as you sort of see fit.
0: But I guess as well as your technical risk management capabilities, you also need all kinds of soft skills around communication, <laughs> evaluation, and so on to do your, do your job well, really.
1: Yeah, it's, um, it's a strange um, job. You know, I, I often say to people, you have to be somewhat of an extrovert and also somewhat of an introvert. The extrovert, you go to site and you've got to build a relationship very, very quickly. You've got to get people on your side. And then the introvert is when you go home and you're sat in your office. Um, you know, we all tend to be uh, home workers yeah. doing, the, doing the job we do. Um, you've got to spend that time, you know, obviously by yourself, making decisions, writing reports with very little interaction with the outside world.
0: And I think probably the introvert is, is a more classic sort of stereotypical viewpoint. And that that must make it tricky at times because I think risk managers, consultants, can be seen as you know that person with a clipboard who just wants to impose something costly and time-consuming, and that must be an incredible barrier to you when you have that first initial contact <laughs> and meeting with the with the business that you're really just trying to support uh, and and help to to mitigate and manage the the risks that they face.
1: Yeah, so one of my opening gambits is um, I'm I'm not here to catch you out. This is about talking through the risks um, associated with the site looking for ways to control having a wander around and actually seeing things that people become blinkered to
0: so it, it must almost almost be quite frustrating when when the value the real value of what people like you uh, offer isn't always perceived or understood you must have to have quite thick skin at times <laughs>
1: Well if you think about it you can never tell when we've got something right you can only tell when we've got something wrong yeah because you'll never know that you've stopped a fire or stopped a burglary or stopped uh, or prevented somebody from having an accident but you will know when you've got it wrong and somebody has had an accident or there has been a fire
0: and 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 like you said if you can't if you can't prove necessarily that what, you, what, what you're doing will make a, a, a difference, which we all know it, it does, of course, um, then it, it's understandable that people may just think uh, you, you're there getting them to spend money and, uh, and take time out for things that, that aren't really required.
1: I suppose the, um, the good thing at the moment um, is the job's slightly easier as we're going through a hard insurance market. Yeah, and I think you know um, now where people are finding it, you know, difficult to get insurance um, in some instances at a what they consider to be a reasonable rate. Risk management becomes an easier conversation. People are looking for ways to improve risk in order to provide some sort of evidence to drive rate down.
0: And it's that positioning, isn't it? Really, I think that could make a big difference here as you, as you, as you're alluding to there, you know, if if it's positioned as there's somebody coming out to, to help and to guide you here, you know, to, to, to make improvements around your risk, you know, that are going to be, going to be helpful to you and your organization, uh, rather than saying, you know, somebody's going to come out here and tell you what to do and you're going to have to do it. (laughs) It, it sounds, it sounds a lot more palatable, doesn't it?
1: No, but, you know, sort the underlying thing is that there are times when you are telling people that they do have to do it. Yes. Um, but you do it in a way that doesn't sound I'm trying to think of the word <laughs> – um, o- overly um, auth- authoritarian. Yes. You know, yeah. you, you, you explain why – you were um, trying to get them to do something rather than saying, you know, thou must do that.
0: Yeah. And I think you're right. I think that is the most important aspect here that people feel there is some rationale. There is some reasoning behind what is being being proposed or what is being required.
1: Oh, absolutely. I I, I mean, to be fair, I think most most people that you see, um, whether it's a person or a group of people, tend to be appreciative and understand what you're trying to do and what you um, are trying to achieve, and are willing to work with you. Yeah. Uh, as I said, every now and then you do get somebody that's uh, almost head stuck in the ground and um, just isn't going to budge.
0: Yeah, yeah. We're all different. We're all different, of course, but uh, yeah, the ideal if everyone could understand that what what you do and and what the insurance industry actually does as well, of course, you know, is is it's all about protecting people. And, and their assets and adding value that way. And I think sometimes that falls by the wayside a little bit and people lose sight of of really what insurance and risk management and things like that are actually all about.
1: No, absolutely. Um, um, again, another line that I quite often use on site is, you know, at the end of the day, if I get it right for you and I stop you having a fire or a loss of any sort, ultimately I get it right for the insurers as well. So actually, you know, sort of swinging it back round to sort of say, yeah, I am on, here on behalf of the insurers, but also um, I, I'm massively here on your behalf as well.
0: Yeah, definitely. And 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 you're there for the the survival of the of the of the business. You're also there for the people that are employed there, and so on as well. Um, with all of that at the same time.
1: Well, we know that um, there's a high percentage. Uh, sorry, a high percentage of businesses that um sort of never come back from a major loss that means that there are people out of work there are families that um, at a point that don't have food on the table potentially
0: yeah brilliant well listen Dave thanks for coming on and giving us a bit of insight into the life and the frustrations <laughs> <laughs> of an insurance risk engineer in Sevilla do come back on as well and give us some of your vast technical insight as well some time if that's okay Dave
1: absolutely no it's been uh, nice to catch up
0: yeah yeah No, brilliant well thanks again Dave really really good as you say to catch up
1: good stuff thank you
0: and that's all for this episode of the Risk Acumen podcast if you have any questions or comments around the topic we've been discussing today or any of our other risk related content please head to our LinkedIn page you can find a link at riskacumen.co.uk Thanks again, Dave, and thanks everybody out there for listening in. And until the next time,
1: goodbye for now.